Good morning to you. It is indeed a privilege to be here with you. Um, Will and Lisa, and at various times, their growing family were with us for many years uh, in Virginia. They were with us twice, and uh, Will's work and God's providence carried him to the other part of the country. And then, uh, again, Will's work brought him back to uh, Virginia, and they were with our church a second time. And part of the reason it's a privilege to stand here is because on behalf of our church, this family was such a blessing, and we are so thankful that they are with you because we know what a blessing in Christ they are. Um, And so I'm privileged beyond measure to be here this Lord's Day with you and to celebrate the installation of a new pastor here at Coloma Bible Church. Well, if you have your copy of God's Word, turn with me this morning to Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20, verses 17 through 38. 17 through 38, and we'll read part of that this morning as we begin. Uh, Let me invite you to stand, if you would like, as we read Acts chapter 20, beginning in verse 17. Hear now the word of the living God. Now from Miletus he sent to Ephesus... And called the elders of the church to come to him. And when they came to him, he said to them, You yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews, how I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of repentance toward God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now, behold, I am going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that afflictions and imprisonments await me. But I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, If only I may finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. And now behold, I know that none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all. For I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. This is the reading of God's word, and we this day are thankful. Amen. Please be seated. Let's pray together. And now, living Lord, we pray that through the preaching of your word, our souls would be strengthened and increased in their faith. Help us, guide us, we ask. We pray for the Spirit's work in our hearts as Christ's words to his sheep are proclaimed. Give us strength, we pray, in both the preaching and the hearing of the word of Christ this day. In Jesus' name, amen. It's one of those accounts in Scripture that is quite moving, quite precious. 
there the Apostle Paul gathering with the elders, or we could say the pastors, the overseers of the church at Ephesus, and he's giving them his final words and instructions. Really, it's one of those scenes that brings tears to your eyes to think about the fact that the Apostle Paul, as our text tells us, knows that he will not see these brothers again until they are all with Christ in glory. And so he gives instructions. What will he say? What will he do? How will he encourage them? If you were to think of some final words that you would give, marching orders, as it were, to a particular group of pastors and to a particular church, what would you say? The background of our text is this. Paul has spent quite a few years in Ephesus. You know, Ephesus was one of those cities reached with the gospel in the first few decades after the resurrection and ascension of Christ. And we read in Acts chapter 19 that Paul spends some two to three years among this people, teaching them and training them. Turn with me one chapter to Exodus, or excuse me, to Acts 19, beginning in verse 8. There we read these words. And he entered the synagogue and for three months spoke boldly, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. But when some became stubborn and continued in unbelief, speaking evil of the way before the congregation, he withdrew from them and took the disciples with him, reasoning daily in the hall of Tyrannus. This continued for two years so that all the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. Two, perhaps even a few months more, years of extensive teaching, of evangelism, of gospel outreach. Then we read a few verses later in Acts 19, beginning in verse 20, the outcome of this work, the fruit of this work. So the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily. Now after these events, Paul resolved in the spirit to pass through Macedonia and Achaia and go to Jerusalem, saying, After I have been there, I must also see Rome. And having sent into Macedonia two of his helpers, Timothy and Erastus, he himself stayed in Asia for a while. Eventually, a riot breaks out. You can read of that in the verses that continue. And Paul goes to Macedonia and Greece. But later in our text, in verse 20, he has this one final encounter with the elders, with the men that perhaps he had led to Christ, that he had shepherded, that he had taught, that he had trained up to shepherd the church of Christ there in Ephesus. And in our text, in this encounter, we read Paul's final words. He meets with them one last time. And in these final words, friends, we see a vision for the church and for its leaders. In one sense, Paul was commissioning them. He was saying to them, I am leaving the apostle of Jesus Christ, but you will remain. And this vision, this glorious vision of Christ's church and its leaders, we see outlined in the verses of our text. I want us to see three things this morning. Three simple things as we consider this 
text written under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and as you, Colomo Bible Church, consider the glorious providence of God in bringing pastor to people and people to pastor. What vision of the church can we see for this Lord's Day from Paul's encounter with the Ephesian elders? Well, the first thing that we see in Paul's words, I believe, is that we are to be selfless in following Christ. Selfless in following Christ. Boys and girls, as you listen this morning, this text is a passage of Scripture where Paul, who was saved by Jesus, is giving some final words to other men who were saved from their sins by Jesus. And he's telling them about the work that they are to do among Jesus' people in the church there, in this city called Ephesus. And the first thing that he encourages them to be like and to do in his words is that they are to be selfless in following Christ. Look at verse 19. Our text opens that he meets with them. In verse 19, he describes his own journey. He says, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews. You know, in the Christian walk, many of us will not face persecution. Some of us will. Our brothers and sisters all around the world experience persecutions and tears and trials, the like of which we know not of. And yet, in, in each one's way, there are tears and there are trials in the work of Christ's church. Some of them come from, atta- from attacks from without. Sometimes there are challenges from within. Brothers and sisters die and they go to be with the Lord. Sickness comes. Tragedy comes. There are a variety of tears and trials. And yet, Paul seems to indicate the pattern here, the apostolic pattern of being selfless in following Christ. Of putting Christ first and his people first. Notice he uses that word, humility. Think about this, friends. Tears and trials and Paul's posture in the midst of them is humility. Humility. Tom Schreiner, the Baptist theologian, says these words regarding humility, quote, smooth relations in the church can be preserved if the entire congregation adorns itself with humility. When believers recognize that they are creatures and sinners, they are less apt to be offended by others. Humility is the oil that allows relationships in the church to run smoothly and lovingly. Pride gets upset when another does not follow our own suggestions, end quote. The oil of humility, this scholar says. Paul, giving a model to these elders that this work is going to be one where they're going to have to be selfless. Will Brown is going to have to be selfless. Coloma Bible Church is going to have to be selfless in following Christ. Notice what happens next. Paul mentions in verse 23 the the fact that it's likely that trials will continue to follow him, verse 23, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. Imprisonment 
and afflictions. Imagine giving counsel to elders and pastors and saying, you can expect, if you follow in my pattern of following after Christ, imprisonment and afflictions. This is what await many of the gospel ministers, many of the elders. Now, my dear brother, I hope imprisonment and afflictions do not await you for preaching Christ boldly here in this part of Michigan. But, but, trials come, tears come, afflictions come. And Paul is saying, look at my life. Seek to be, by His grace, selfless in following Christ. Notice verse 24. This is perhaps one of the best descriptions of gospel ministry. And secondly, of church ministry that we see in all of Scripture. Acts 20, verse 24. But I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself. Selfless. I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. That could be a theme verse for the life of the minister, for the life of the pastor. Really, that could be the theme verse for all of us, couldn't it? That we do not consider ourselves as precious. That the value is not found in who we are and in living our lives for ourselves, but for the sake of Christ. That if each of us could only finish the course which our loving shepherd has given to us, May this be one of the many passages, my brother, that encourages you as you minister here in this place. Coloma Bible Church, may this be one of the the verses that you consider that together as Christ's people, you might finish the course which he has given to you and the ministry that here in this part of creation, Christ has given you to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Of God. My brother, in all humility, I charge you to consider this text and many like it in your work. That you may, in moments of tears and in trials and afflictions, but moments of wonderful joy, which I know you've already had here in this place, you might consider the words of Acts 20 24, that you might seek simply to finish your course and the ministry which the Lord Christ, your loving shepherd, is given to you. And Coloma Bible Church, would you secondarily, as you surround this brother and as you labor together here in this place, I charge you as a fellow brother to consider this text, particularly its emphasis, to finish your course well together. What a precious reality you are as a church of Jesus Christ. Saints from every kind of background Some of you have grown up in this area. Some of you have come from other parts of the world. And here you are, Christ formed as his church. And as a local outpost of kingdom grace, you together can be selfless in following Christ to the very end. That in God's providence, you together would be selfless in following Christ. Boys and girls, what does it look like to be selfless? Well, it means to consider others as even more important than yourself. 
It means to care about others, to think, what would my friend, my brother, my sister need? What would they want? This is what I want. Sometimes it's a good want, and sometimes it's not a good want. What would they want? You consider others. But I think Paul helps us to see that we're also selfless in that we're always considering the good of Christ's people, that we're selfless in following Christ. This is what he says, is it not? I do not account my life of any value nor as precious to myself. I just want to serve Jesus. Selfless in following Christ. But secondly, in our text this morning, I think we see another component for the work of the elder and for the work of the church. And that is that they were to be committed to the word of Christ. Committed to the word of Christ. Let's walk back through some of these verses. Look at verse 20. Paul speaks of the tears and the trials, yes, but then notice in verse 20 what he says. How I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house. Notice the focus that Paul has on truth and doctrine and one that he wants these Ephesian elders to emulate. You see, he's He's speaking to them for the final time, and he's telling them, this is what the ministry will be like. I want you to to do these things. Paul says in other letters, very similar truths. You remember in 1 Corinthians 9, 16, that he tells those believers there that he wanted to know nothing else among them except Christ and him crucified. Paul was committed to the word of Christ the great Puritan commentator Matthew Henry says these words of Paul, quote, he was a true Christian, or he was truly a Christian, an evangelical preacher. He did not preach philosophical notions or matters of doubtful disputation, nor did he preach politics or intermeddle at all with affairs of state or the civil government, but he preached faith and repentance, the two great gospel graces, the nature and necessity of them, these he urged, end quote. Paul was committed to the word of Christ among the people of Christ, and he wanted the elders of Ephesus to be committed to the word of Christ. Notice what Paul says, teaching in public and from house to house. What a blessing that the Lord has given to you, Coloma Bible Church, as in bringing will to you. You have a brother a minister who will labor among you in public and from house to house. It's a biblical pattern that we see. Notice what he says. He is, in verse 21, testifying both to Jews and to Greeks, repentance toward God and a faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. He's preaching the gospel of Christ. We'll speak of this gospel more in just a moment. But notice that Paul, as he speaks to this commitment to the word of Christ, continues to describe this in the verses that follow. Notice in verse 26, he says, Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all, for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Boys and girls, that's, that's the whole Bible, as it were. Paul is saying, I am innocent 
of the blood of all because I preached to you the full word of Christ. We live in a time just like this where there is a need. In fact, until the Lord Christ returns, there will always be a need for teaching the full counsel of the word of Christ. What a blessing, if I may just say so, that here on this particular Lord's Day, you are a part of a church where you are taught from a variety of passages of Scripture about the glorious person and work of Jesus Christ. How this morning there was the opportunity in Sunday school to hear Christ proclaimed, even from an Old Testament passage, that morning and evening on the Lord's Day, the Word of Christ is preached, that this brother has the desire to labor among you in the Word of Christ, teaching you the whole counsel. Friends, I fear that there will be many pastors and church leaders on the day of judgment who will be ashamed for not having given their people the full counsel of the word of Christ. But I do not have such fears for our brother Will. And what a blessing that is for you as Christ's people gathered in this place. Now, part of the reason to teach the full counsel of the word of Christ, to be committed to Christ's word, to the scriptures, to the Bible, is that we must avoid false teaching, false doctrine. Look what he says next in verse 29. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. Now, I don't know if you see the connection in these verses. Paul is saying we must be committed to the word of Christ. Beware that false teaching will come. And as you're alert for this false teaching, remember me. What were they to remember? That for, as Paul says, three years, he did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. You know, in many churches, and I believe in this one as well, over the next few years, there will be particular rooms in the church building where a lot of tears are shed. And those tears are often shed in the pastor's study as he prays over the word of Christ. Perhaps tears come, real tears or tears in his mind as he labors over what to say at funerals and weddings, what to preach in the midst of trial. Paul is saying the word is so important That you need to guard yourself, pay attention to it. Don't forget my pattern. That I labored night and day to correct and admonish everyone with the word. Well, this is one of the reasons why Paul says it's important to be committed to the word of Christ. Now notice what he says in verse 28, just a verse or two before. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to care for the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. 
He uses that word, overseers. Could be translated elders. Could be rendered in our minds as pastors. Here he gives, at least in one verse, the marching orders for ministers. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. Notice that the overseers were made such by the Holy Spirit, that they have a particular task outwardly to care for the church of God, remembering that it is this church that God purchased with his own blood. And that a part of that work is to pay careful attention to their own lives. Isn't that what Paul tells Timothy elsewhere? Take care to watch your own life and the doctrine. He says very similar words here. Will, here is another verse for you this day, my brother. It's a word for for every elder or pastor that seeks to labor among Christ's people. In this verse, Acts 20, 28, is a treasure trove of words for us to meditate upon. That we should be, brother, paying careful attention to ourselves, but also to all the flock. Remembering that it is ultimately the Holy Spirit through the voice of Christ's church that has made us overseers and that we, brother, are to care for the church of God. But as we care for the church of God, we remember that they are owned by God with precious blood. Now, notice this. Paul says that the church is the church of God, which God purchased with his own blood. Now, here's where some theology comes into view. You see, boys and girls, we worship one God, not three gods, but one God who exists forever and always as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And God is spirit, the Scripture says. He doesn't have a body like men or women. But the text says that God purchased the church with His own blood. God doesn't have blood. But at a moment in time, God the Son put on our flesh. He took to himself a full human body and a reasonable soul. And he lived a perfect life. And he died on the cross. And as he died, God poured out his judgment for sin. The sins of all who would ever trust in him on Christ. And it was Christ's blood that was shed to purchase back, to buy back, to redeem sinners for God. This is the blood of which Paul speaks. Paul wants these elders to remember, when you are caring for people in the church, when you are ministering, when you're watching over them, these are blood-bought people. These are people for whom my son died. Now, maybe you're here today. You were invited. Uh, You're not a regular part of this fellowship. And this is all very interesting to you. A church has a new pastor. But, you know, one of the things that is for you to hear today is that Christ died for sinners. 
He came and gave His life as a perfect substitute. He kept all of God's righteous law where you and I do not. It's what we call the gospel, the good news. That every single person born after Adam and Eve's sin are sinners. We don't do the things that God asks us to do and the very things that He tells us not to do, we do. This makes us sinners and rebels against God, but in His love and mercy, He sent His Son to be, as the Scripture says, the propitiation, the wrath-bearing, atoning sacrifice for sins. And that the good news of the Gospel is that anyone who hears that Christ will receive sinners, that Christ's blood will fully pay the sacrifice required for sins, anyone who wants Christ may have Him and have life everlasting in Him, to be freed from the judgment that the law brings for their sins, and to know the living God. This is the gospel. Friend, do you know Christ? Has has Christ become important to you? You see, the church that Paul mentions here is a church belong to God because of the blood of Christ. Well, we must move past these verses and continue. Paul has reminded these elders that we, that they and we as the church are to be selfless in following Christ, that we're to be committed to the word of Christ. But this idea of being committed to the word of Christ continues. Notice what he says in verse 32. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. You yourselves know that these hands ministered to my necessities and to those who were with me. See, Paul labored tirelessly that the word of Christ might be known among the people of Ephesus. That's what ministers are to do. They are to labor tirelessly Yes, they are to take their rest, but they are to labor that the good seeds of the word of Christ might be known among Christ's people. You could say this way, Paul's desire was that they might receive the seeds of the word. He commends this to them. Elders, this is what you have. You have the word of his grace. It was enough. You have the gospel. You have the scriptures. This is what is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among those who are sanctified. I remember reading a missionary newsletter. And this pastor missionary said these words. Just just a line. I am so thankful to God for the privilege of being a seed sower among what appears to be good soil, end quote. That impulse is the impulse of every pastor and missionary and elder commissioned with the word of Christ. Those words, by the way, were words of Will's father, speaking of his work ministering the word in Africa. I am so thankful to God for the privilege of being a seed sower among what appears to be good soil. Coloma Bible Church, 
May you be good soil ready to receive this word that the Apostle Paul commended to the Ephesian elders and to which the Scripture commends to all of us that we might be committed to the word of Christ. Now notice quickly, he commends this word. It's able to build up. Paul says this elsewhere, Colossians 2, verses 6 and 7. Peter says this, 2 Peter 1, verses 2 through 4, that the grace of God would be multiplied as they grew in knowledge of His Word. The people of God are commended to the Word of God. Coloma Bible Church, if I may humbly, just as a brother in Christ, for I am not your pastor, I am just a friend of your pastor's family, privileged with the opportunity to be with you for this short weekend. But if I may humbly speak to you for just one moment, if I had any suggestion for you, it would be remembering these words of Paul that the elders, the pastors that Christ gives to His church really have one main thing to give, and that is the Word of Christ. So if I had any suggestion for you, it would be let this brother continue to preach and proclaim the full counsel of the word of Christ. Wrestle with it. Be like the Bereans in Acts when he preaches, but receive it. Long to hear it. Pray in advance for this man. Begin on Monday praying for him as he studies throughout the week. Pray for him on Tuesday and Wednesday and on Saturday night. Lord God, you have given the word to this church. And we thank you that we've been given this man to proclaim, to lead us. There will be others who preach and teach, but to lead us in the word. So, Lord, I'm praying for my pastor, but I'm praying for my own heart that as he stands to deliver your word tomorrow, perhaps several times, that I would be good soil, ready to receive the voice of Christ through his preached Word. Well, the scene with the elders, the church is to be selfless in following Christ, so are its elders, and they are to be committed to the word of Christ. But notice, as we move quickly, a third component. They are to be serving the people of Christ. As Paul finishes these words, and then there are Hugs and tears and weeping at the end of our passage, we pick up the text. Paul has said in verse 29 that he's concerned about false teaching that may come. He's reminding them of his tears, and then he says in our passage, verse 32, And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I coveted no one's silver or gold. You yourselves know that these hands ministered to my necessities and to those who were with me. And then he says in verse 35, In all things I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. And when he had said these things, that is Paul, he knelt down and prayed with them all. And there was much weeping on the part of them all. They embraced Paul and kissed him, being sorrowful most of all because of the word he had spoken that they would not see his face again. And they accompanied him 
to the ship. Notice what Paul says. Again, I'm reminding you of my pattern, elders. I'm reminding you of my pattern. I worked hard to help the weak. And he reminds them of Jesus' words, that it is more blessed to give than to receive. The Church of Christ, the ministers of Christ, are to be a people who serve the people of Christ. This is a weighty thing. It's a very weighty thing. If you go back to that phrase that the Church of Christ was purchased by the blood of Christ, think of the weight, friends, sometimes that a gospel-proclaiming elder or minister has. If, if he's really reflecting on the Word, if, if his ministry is really about Christ, there is a weight. I hesitate to use the word burden because it makes it sound like it's something that is negative, but there is a weight. These people that Christ have given to me to shepherd and to be one of are a people that are blood-bought people. These souls are so important to the living God that Christ came and died for them. I trust that in your new pastor, you have such a man who will know this weight, albeit imperfectly. He will wrestle with how to help the weak here in this place and in the community. You will have thoughts and dreams and visions of how to Consider the people all around. And when I say vision, I I, I don't mean something ultra spiritual. I just mean this man will be thinking regularly how to reach souls. Ten plus years ago, I received an email. It was really email correspondence. And it had to do with Will. He doesn't know this. It wasn't gossip. Another brother was speaking kind words to me. And I believe this was the time when Will and Lisa were with us at our church. Uh, I think Annika probably hadn't yet been born or had just been born. And this other brother just said something very kind about Will. He asked me this. Well, he said this. He said, Keep an eye, keep an eye on that boy of mine. He has a bit of his father in him. The side that wants to give all away at a moment of need. That was Tom Brown, Will's father. We chatted briefly, shared the news of his work. Will had actually introduced us. But I think he's right. You see, your church has not been sent a perfect man. Far from it. Will is imperfect. Will would say, I need a savior. But I have had the opportunity, I don't know how many years, Lisa and we were all talking, but earlier, I think she reminded me that in their married life, our church was the church that they had been at the longest. And we got to see their, their lives. And I can say, a lot of people can say a lot of things about a lot of other individuals. But this one is true. Will is one that will, perhaps, almost to a fault, 
give away all at a moment of need. But, you know, the beauty of our brother, and as I'm learning about your church, perhaps even the beauty of your church, is that even though we can celebrate these realities of how God has gifted us, it's really about serving the people of Christ. We don't elevate this minister today. We don't elevate this church. It's almost as if, like Paul, we have some words to share about the crucial nature of Christ's church. And Paul says, as he hugs, as he cries, as he leaves. Elders, and then secondarily, church of Christ, be the people who are selfless in following Christ. Be committed, rigorously committed to the word of Christ. Love it, savor it, long for it. When, when you don't long for it, pray that the Lord would give you such longings. Pray for your pastor. Encourage him. Give him the freedom he needs to study it because you will benefit as he studies the word of Christ. And then, as Paul says, with these final hugs and tears, help the weak. Serve the people of Christ. Brothers and sisters, what a blessing. You know, the Bible says that elders, pastors are a gift to Christ's church. But in hearing that, it's not that they, who they are in their personality, is the primary gift. It's that the Lord doesn't leave his sheep without shepherds. And we celebrate today, not your church, and not this man and his lovely family, but we celebrate a blood-bought people that Christ is not leaving abandoned, that he is laboring among. You know, that's what the book of the Revelation says. Christ stands among his churches. So he's laboring among you with the glorious gift of his word through this fallible man, and all other brothers who stand to teach it. And for this, we can say, living God, you have been so kind to purchase us with your blood and then to feed us until together, by his grace, we are all home. Let's pray. Living God, we pray today for Coloma Bible Church. We pray for it's Pastor Will Brown, for his family. We pray today for the people, the souls that will be sitting in these rows years from now because your word is being proclaimed. We pray for the people who are here today that you would encourage them that as the word which you've commended to your church is known among them, that you would grow them by your grace. We pray that you would be the true vision of this church. And that like these Ephesian elders, our brother may take up this call to not count his life of any value, but that he may finish his course, that he may commend to this people what has been commended to him, the word of Christ. And we pray that you would sanctify this people, grow them in your word, use them as a beacon of light in this community and beyond. And we pray, living God, that these things would be done for your glory. And we ask all of these things in Jesus' name.